Right, hello. Welcome to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And I'm James. And we're back with Superman, James. Superman the third. Superman three. Super- the third film. <laughs> the one without any <laughs> real clever name. It's just three. So- a weak title. I mean, I don't know whether Quest for Peace was a strong title, but this is definitely a weak titled movie. <laughs> um, go on. I mean, what the hell was this film? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It, the, there's a really big name that floats across the screen, bigger than anybody else's name at the, at the very beginning. Uh, Alexander Solkind or Solkind. Uh, he's yep, saw that. he's one of the producers. Uh, he's he's got a bit of a, a a George Lucas delusion going on where he thinks he's actually making great films. Um, yeah. He's he's the man responsible for He-Man: Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Uh, he claimed that would be the Star Wars of the eighties. Um, <laughs> Wasn't Star Wars the Star Wars of the eighties? <laughs> Yeah, this guy didn't have a really good grasp on what was going on in the real world. I think Star Wars was still being made until 1983, wasn't it? Yep. It didn't finish until 83, and then it started again in 1999, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, so I, I, so just straight off the bat, James, this film, I've looked at it on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic. Uh, it, it got 5 out of 10 on IMDb, which I thought was extraordinarily high for their regular um, reviews. Like Their reviews are normally pretty bang on. Yeah. I think five out of ten is high. Too fucking high for this film. Uh, really? Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes went with me more with what I was in line with, which was they put twenty six percent Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. I, yeah, I'd say that's fairer than fifty. This movie was made on a budget of thirty nine million dollars, um, according to this is based on two thousand and nine figures, but that's what the equivalent it would have been. Wow. Uh, the box office uh, return on Superman three was a whopping eighty million. <laughs> wow! I mean, it, so it didn't lose money. It, it, well, that's true. It didn't. It wasn't a catastrophic failure. But when you think about a Superman movie. You just think big, right? Don't I think big? Well, you you do, but then this one opens up with Richard Pryor at a job centre. It does. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> seems seems like most of the other actors involved probably had to go to the job centre after this film anyway. So might as well it did, start. Yeah, there. it did feel like the job centre should have been at the end of the film, but not at the <laughs> beginning of the film. I mean, Richard Pryor is a struggling man called Gus. He's the everyman living in Metropolis. He's on the doll, James. He's hard up on his look. Uh, he's not getting any allowance from the state now, um, so he turns to crime, right? Well, no. No. <laughs> good, good news. Good news. Computers have been invented, Jake, and computers are the answer to every question in this film. <laughs> so uh, the, I'm going to read my notes again because I've watched this. i watched this twice now, and I, I, I've talked to James about this for anyone that's listening to the podcast. I watch them on my own. I watch the film first, and I watch it to review it afterwards. Um, he finds the advert for this on the back of a matchbox um, and it's advertising do you want to be a computer technician in what universe (laughs) why a matchbox why a matchbox why how does this matchbox then lead to him having like a five minute lesson where he's already better than the teacher (laughs) right forgive me if I'm wrong right by the beginning of this at the beginning of this movie Richard Pryor's character Gus is just a, a guy on the doll, and by the end of the movie, he's invented sentient life. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> for people listening to this, this is the level this film is on. This, it's completely mental. It, it, it is nonsense. Like I, I know we normally save interesting facts till the end, but this one no, is James. Is, by all means, is kind of related to what we're talking about. The reason I think the script makes no sense is because it went through several rewrites. The Apparently, mm. from what I remember uh, hearing, the original concept of the film was to do a story surrounding the Superman villain Brainiac. Yes. Which is why there's a supercomputer in this film. Because it was originally going to be Brainiac. And, oh, at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, but at the end, you know, with the woman who just sort of falls off the ledge. Probably going to be Brainiac there. In the original Falls script. off which ledge? You know, uh, when the woman becomes um, sort of super Terminator. Oh, yeah, the woman, the sister that falls into the, the computer. Yeah, and Superman right. just sort of holds his hand up and stops her beam, and then she just takes a single hit and straddles sideways and drops yeah. off the ledge. And that's the end of the supercomputer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, originally it would have been Brainiac, uh, which would have been a really cool story. Brainiac's a good villain. Uh, but what we got instead was uh, Richard Pryor can't get any money from the doll office, so he goes... God. To learn to be a computer technician where he finds all the random 50 cents that are not attached to any paycheck, but are just floating out there. <laughs> yeah, and he matches them all up and becomes rich off the back of these 50 cents. I don't understand how that works. Is that even a thing? Is that ever a thing? I don't think it's a thing. I, 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 <laughs> I think it was just a way that they could explain that he got some money. Um, yeah, I mean, he he put it through his expenses and got about eighty grand's worth of expenses in his paycheck. <laughs> so I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with it, but um, I like the bit where there's a montage of all this weird shit happening in Metropolis, um, and a man blows out a penguin that's on fire. <laughs> Who is that man? It's only Clark Kent. <laughs> I like the blind guy as well, who has the uh, bucket on his head. Yeah. And there's a and there's a, a guy dressed as a mime who gets pie faced. Then there's a bank robbery. Like, what the hell is this about? This the, sequence. This is just like an everyday in Metropolis, Jake. This is what Metropolis is like when it's not Milton Keynes. I mean, then there's a bit where a man drives onto, I think, a fire hydrant, and then <laughs> the fire hydrant <laughs> fills his starts to fill up. the car up, and he nearly dies. Now imagine if that was your dad or your mum or somebody. You're like, how did they die? <laughs> right, have you ever seen a fire hydrant? Yeah. His car went onto the fire hydrant. Yeah. And the fire hydrant blew up and filled the car with water. Right. Didn't he get out? No. no. <laughs> it's okay, though. Oh. The passers-by tried his door handle at least two or three times uh, and then they gave up going, nope this obviously isn't working no one thought to break the glass or anything but luckily or smash a windscreen yeah, yeah luckily no one's care. Superman arrives and saves the day is this the same I'm not going to lie to you I've watched so much Superman over the last few days is this the same one where Superman goes to get changed in the photo booth and takes three photos of himself and gives them to the kid yes yeah, that, really like that bit. That, that was cool. There are so many bits. This is the the frustrating thing. No matter, even with Quest for Peace, no matter yeah. how bad the film is, Christopher Reeve is just astonishingly good as Superman. Yeah, I just loved that bit. Yeah, and there's just so many little bits like that which are, are, are brilliant. But this this film still, uh, we, we are working from worst to best, and this still isn't best yet, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not there yet. No. Um, 
so yeah so there's there's that bit there's and then and then cut to i'm trying to remember where i am i've lost my notes sorry this is where we cut to uh the explanation for why margot kidder isn't in the film yes (laughs) now again we can we can mingle facts with fiction here can't we because we've said we're going to do that today so margot kidder um i've been reading about her and gene hackman are both not in this movie and apparently this is because of the differences they had with uh sulkin and um the producers of the film um, and the sacking of, of Richard Donner, yeah. basically. And it all comes off the back of the fact that Donner was sacked and he was given no credit for Superman 2. Yeah. Um, and then it was taken over by Richard Lester. And then these guys that are doing this film, um, they had this idea. And apparently none of like, all these ideas, they read the screenplay and were like, right, this is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think Lois disappears to Colombia or somewhere, isn't <laughs> yeah. she? In, in so, Bermuda. So yeah, so they, they basically, she's contractually obliged to, to turn up for the, the opening and the ending of this film, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and they were probably both filmed at the same time. Yeah, so she probably. It's really weird, that isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, I guess the cool thing is it lets them do a, a little bit of a story with uh, Lana Lang, which is pretty decent. Uh, but yeah. uh, J- Jimmy's back, James. Jimmy Olsen's back. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite line of this bit was, she looks fuzzy. Oh, it's okay. She looks like that in real life. <laughs> when they talk about the picture of the, the bad guy's sister, I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. I love that. I love Jimmy Olsen. Um, there's a bingo on at, at the Daily Planet not just, who win a not trip just, to South America, James. Not just bingo, Jake. It's jingo bingo. <laughs> Yeah, Do you know what's really weird as well? That the Daily Planet looks shit and it looks like it's really struggling for money, yet they're able to put on a bingo that's going to auction a trip to send someone to South America. Like, all of this makes no sense. And even actually by the time I'd watched the end of the movie twice, yeah. I still had no idea what any of that was about. You know what it's about, Jake? It's so we have a character or two characters in Colombia at some point that we might care about when the tornado hits. Right, is that what it was? I think that's it. I think it's just to give you that. Oh, was that them in the church? Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that's why it cuts to them, Jake. It's just it's the Jingo Bingo people. Oh, I missed that. And then after got... after it happens, they come back. Right. they come back in sort of a sling and a neck brace, and they run into um, Perry White's office and ask for money. Uh, yeah, I saw yeah. that bit. I didn't understand. I didn't put two and two together. You see, I don't think I was really watching. <laughs> Probably for the I best. I think I just really. got confused. I guess, yeah, that does make more sense now. Um, yeah, so apparently uh, Hackman declined to participate in Superman 3. Kidder spoke out against the, the Sulkins, uh, assisted that Lois Lane uh, had to appear in Superman 3. It was punishment for speaking out about uh, her dismay with the way the film was handled. Yeah. Um, yeah, really weird that, isn't it? And then they invent this new character that's Gus's boss who's a mogul yeah. who's basically playing the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor character but not very well yeah I mean, he's um, people probably will recognise him I think he was in Man from Uncle the, the original oh, really? TV series yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah he, he's sort of a well known ish actor um, yeah. but uh, yeah he's, he's not he's not Gene is he he's not Gene Hackman it's just not the same, is it? Because um, um, then there's a chemical fire, James, and Jimmy gets into some bother trying to take some pictures of a chemical fire uh, and this acid that can eat through steel. I thought at a second, I was like, hang on a minute, is this alien? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, there's this acid. They, it seems like a, 
a dodgy place to store acid that's dangerous when it's warm to store it yeah. in a warm environment anyway yeah. like it looks in the middle of the mid- midwest america on the plains of kansas yeah and like the the the, the nearest lake to them is a few miles away yeah you'd think they could just build it next to the lake mm-hmm. save save superman a trip uh, cuz he uh, he asks the five guys where's the lake where's the lake and and they both point but they both point in slightly different directions <laughs> and say it's about 5 miles over there and I'm thinking that you know when you're flying as the crow flies that slight difference in direction makes a difference it <laughs> does yeah he might not find that lake i mean I yeah, I really like the. There's a thermometer in the factory that when the guy's trying to shut it down and all the acid spilling over the top, uh, it goes up and the and the little thermometer just has literally has the word written on it danger, <laughs> and it says it's going up. <laughs> it's not like a danger warning flashing. It's just the thermometer that says danger on it, and it's the degree of danger that they're in as the needle goes up. <laughs> I really appreciated that. Uh, Superman then uh, lifts the entire lake. Uh, he freezes it yep. with his wind, his ice breath. Uh, is ice breath always been a thing? I, I think so. This is more of a thing than building the Great Wall of China by looking at it. Like, as far as <laughs> yeah. superpowers go, this is this is more legit. Fine, because I'm learning more about Superman because I'm not as invested as you are. Yeah. So I don't know that much about him and uh, about the law. Uh, I did hear that, like, in the original comics, he, he was just a strong man. Yeah, originally he could just leap a tall building in a single bound. He, he wasn't... Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he was a flying man. And then he was a flying and, man. And then he was a flying man with laser vision and a flying man with ice breath and, and all these other things. I, th- I think one of the taglines for the original movie was, uh, you too will believe a man can fly. Uh, mm. Jake, do you believe a man can lift a lake of ice and drop it on uh, an acid factory? I believe there's more problems in there than that simple <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I, Logi- I, Logistically, <laughs> it's hard work. And then also, like, it's going to get warm. So surely it's going to melt on the way. Um, I know that Superman... Does the Superman... I can't remember now. Doesn't he use his heat vision to heat the ice up again to make sure that it melts into water before he drops it on the factory? Because obviously if you drop an iceberg on a factory... <laughs> It's not going to put anything out. It's just going to kill everybody. Yeah. I, I hope he thought this through as much as we are. Yeah. Um, so after that, we, we get to Smallville. Yes. And Have we seen Smallville before? I mean, obviously, Smallville was in... Is it in Superman 1 and 2? It is, briefly. But it's just... Yeah, we didn't see it. Did we? Oh, we did see it in Superman 4, but only because he went back to the farm. Yeah, land. yeah, but that was obviously in Surrey, not Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> or wherever it was filmed. Um, so yeah, so he uh, he goes back to his uh, hometown because they're they're having a, a reunion. I I didn't get this reunion because no one seemed to be of a similar age. <laughs> there's every, there seemed to be like ten years difference between everyone the camera flitted towards. Um, yes, but James, we get introduced to the best character in this movie. Yeah, none other than Brad. B- good old Brad Wilson. He uh, he hasn't grown up. He's he's still the the, the high school jock. Yeah. Um. Uh, Clark gets to have a little dance with uh, Lana, which is great because it's uh, it's a bit of a boogie happening when he joins the dance floor, and it cuts to a small a, a sort of slow song, and he's yeah. and Clark yeah, still yeah, like that bit. still dancing again. Christopher <laughs> Reeve just plays a brilliant Clark Kent. He's he's Christopher Reeve's timing, and I don't even know if you can. 
credit Reeve or would you credit the writing or directing team? But the timing that Reeve has in those films and in both of them so far and, and anything I've ever seen, they're just wonderful. He's yeah. so funny. He's, he's so good at it. He's brilliant. And then I, I don't know whether it was like a deliberate sort of thing that they did in the film, but the song, the slow song they're playing is Earth Angel. Yes, it was the first song at my wedding, James. Yeah. How weird. Very weird. I love that all our film reviews seem to link back to one of us in some way or another. Yeah, um, that was a little bit of a freaky moment. I've written that in my notes. Um, do you know there's a bit in the school reunion where they're talking about Martha Kent? Yeah. Is she dead? Um, I, I think, sadly, the actress might have been uh, at the time. Oh, really? So I, I don't know, but I, they... they they don't really include Martha in a lot of things in the Christopher Reeve stuff. She's in the first film. Is she not in the second I one? I think she might be in the second one because it was filmed back to back. But after that, I don't think she shows up like physically. Um, oh. I'm not sure. Because in Superman lore, she is quite a major character, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apart from like the um, bodiless blokes in the Fortress of Solitude, she's like the voice of reason usually for superman yeah like she's the the human influence um so yeah they do mention it i mean they have a, a lovely chat the uh in in the gym after everything's happened clark goes back to see lana and they're tidying up um yeah i like the uh the fact that metropolis is referred to as the big apricot <laughs> In this yeah, scene. the big apple. Yeah, <laughs> the big apricot. Um, oh dear. Yeah, I don't mind those scenes actually. I thought the Lana scenes were pretty good. Um, there's a bit where I mean, well, I was skipping on a little bit, but like, there's a bit where they are talking about. I think they're in like having a picnic or something. Yeah. Um, and Lana's little kid is uh, about to get eaten, eaten up by a combine harvester. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same bit where Clark eats some dog food. Yes. And about to kiss Lana. And she says, Oh, my oil pad is leaking. <laughs> and I just sat there thinking, Who the fuck wrote this script? It's brilliant, isn't it? It's like you, you almost forget you're watching a Superman film until he becomes Superman to, you know, do the Superman V Combine Harvester moment. Also, is Superman going to pay for that harvester? Because he's probably knackered it now. I I hope so. Like you know, although I don't think he paid for much of Metropolis that he destroyed in uh, Man of Steel, did he? No, that's true. Yeah. He ain't got really got that much money. He has to work for a living, I guess. No, I mean, but he's a... he's not used to spending a lot because at the uh, Smallville reunion dance, you could buy a Smallville cowboy hat for three dollars. So you know, his sense of money probably is a bit skewed from growing up in a small town. Yeah, true. Uh, true that. <laughs> so there's a there's a blonde woman who works with um, the, I can't remember his name. I've written it down here somewhere. The main, the bad guy, the main bad yeah, guy. Yeah, she has uh, a. Uh, uh, it's basically like his version of Miss Tessmacher, isn't it? Yeah, and she's got a. Her name is Lorelai. Yeah, and she is credited as a psychic nutritionist. I like that. That was funny. What does that mean? I I, I think it's his. <laughs> polite way in in sort of a, an official capacity for referring to her as his sort of mistress uh, his bit on the side his uh, yeah because she annoys his sister terribly throughout the film mm, she has a really annoying voice yeah like super annoying yeah it's like miss tessmacher's annoying enough 
<laughs> in yeah. a lot of scenes. But yeah, Lorelai is, is much, much worse. Um, not quite as bad as when the big bad guy gets Gus up into his office and utters the phrase, I can dig where you're coming from, brother. In a really, really... Yes. I, almost worse than that, the, the way I delivered that line. <laughs> no, I think you delivered that line better than he did. It's that whole thing, isn't it, where... And Richard Pryor's really good at this anyway, because he's really good at, at the... Uh, what I would like to call the awkward white man humour. Yeah. Like, he just kind of brings something to... He's always been like it. Like, all his stand-up, uh, every film he's ever been in. Yeah. Um, he, he has this bumbling, awkward, really ridiculously funny sensibility. But he makes jokes out of everything, including being black. Um, but he just makes everything funny. Yeah. And I find that, like, when that guy tries to, like... I don't know, is he trying to, like... I'm down with I'm down with African-Americans or whatever. And he's like... Gus is the worst example of her. <laughs> like, this is not a cool character. No, uh, oh. I, I, do you ever? When you were watching this film, did you ever sort of imagine yourself in like an alternate reality where they, the Sulkins, were able to cast both Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder? Because yeah. could you imagine Gene Wilder in that role, doing his kind of his Willy Wonka craziness? Yeah, with Gene. Yeah, with yeah. Gene Wilder is the main bad guy, and then, yeah, Gus is this yeah. bumbling Richard Pryor Gus. Yeah, that would have worked a lot better, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I felt like that character had really nothing going for him at all. No, I mean... He, he didn't interest me one bit. He, he has more going for him than his initial idea to take over the world by using a weather-monitoring satellite yeah. to control the weather. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> no, I don't. And then there's this plan that he comes up with when he... Because, yeah, Richard Pryor extorts him and then um, they want to find out who the person who's extorting the company is. He looks in the car park and sees Richard Pryor driving to work in a brand new Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was really funny. Um, and then... Um, it's not property, this, though. It's not a real estate scam. No. It's not your typical um, Lex plan. Yeah. Um, this is a, a more uh, well-rounded plan to cut off the coffee trade of Colombia... <laughs> Um, they, by using because they won't a, give him favourable rates he's just so, so annoyed yeah so they're going to use a satellite that somehow monitors something to create a weather system over Colombia that'll cause a tornado which will ruin the coffee plantation which will thus bankrupt the whole nation of Colombia <laughs> and their exports I like I thought Lexus plans were shit yeah no, this this guy tops that, and he doesn't just ruin Colombia's you know, inf- you know, monetary infrastructure. He ruins yeah. the Jingo Bingo couple's vacation. He does, yeah. They get absolutely ratted on by bricks and rain. So uh, then, sorry, go on. Um, and and this is all all achieved through Gus breaking into Brad's office and getting Brad drunk. Yeah, I forgot that was Brad. Yeah. yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Brad. Brad is is the local How... drunk. So hang on a minute, back it up. How do I'm so confused? How do we text, whatever they're called? Yeah. What have they got to do with weather satellites? Is it Wheat King? Wheat King. Yeah, Wheat King. I think Wheat King used the satellite to monitor the weather for their wheat growing. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! And uh, they they have a central computer because remember computers are really important in this film. <laughs> they have a central computer. But James, but... nobody in this front film knows what a computer does. <laughs> no, 
Except for Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor knows a lot about computers because he can just sit at one and know what to do. Um, we, we, we did miss a, uh, a really important bit about um, how he got all his money. Um, he actually just writes in, I think it's something like computer override is the control he... Or security override oh, yeah. is the yeah, control he writes in. And that gives him That'll access to all the money. Um, yeah. And then he goes to get Brad drunk in this local office for Wheat King uh, because their little local computer links to the big computer, which links to the satellite. Um, but he has to use two key cards at the same time. So he has to get Brad sort of puppeted up with a bit of string to insert these two key cards at the same time. And as he's getting Brad ready for this moment, because Brad's completely unconscious, he's having to walk back to where Brad was was unconscious drunk and he walks past a cupboard with some KFC product placement saw that and then he walks back again past the same cupboard with the KFC product placement and later on when he's talking to the big bad guy about why their plan to get rid of Superman didn't work he starts talking about the unknown um, recipe secret yeah, recipe, secret recipe yeah. for KFC like, I'm guessing the Sulkins got KFC money somehow they got some KFC money and the Stipulation for getting that money was that they get included in at least three scenes. <laughs> One of my favourite bits in that scene as well is there's a sign behind Brad um, at Wheat King, and it's a big sign like just off back of camera, and it just says, "It's fun to work for Wheat King." <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> I just, oh dear. Uh, I think we should pry it. Gus reminds me of Moss from the IT crowd. <laughs> How good would it have been with it was Richard Iowadi? Um, hacking a computer oh. uh, a guy then in some city gets a bill through and he shoves a grapefruit in his wife's face didn't really understand what was going on I think this is yeah this montage is a bit weird but basically in the process of trying to hack the satellite it seems like Richard Pryor's Gus who's meant to be a computer genius has got himself so drunk that he's just leaving a paper trail everywhere he goes to that leads back to yeah. him because he's giving people money out of cash points that they don't deserve he's charging people hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars rather from Bloomingdale's I think it was the bill that he got so the guy thinks that his wife's has spent tons of money at Bloomingdale's so he puts That's a right, yeah. grapefruit in, it, in her face and then, <laughs> then he suddenly decides to take control of all the stop and go signs in New York to the point where the the red man and the green man uh, start, fighting. start fighting and I'm thinking how what oh dear this is this is bad this film at this point I checked out of this film I actually wrote a note which is really weird that you just said that I just put on this note I stopped watching at this point <laughs> I gave up um yeah, these villains are the three shittest Lex Luthor stand-ins ever. Yeah. Um, the satellite can now detect distant galaxies, so they're going to use it to find cryptos. So it's kind of gone from a minute weak king weather satellite yeah. to the Hubble telescope. <laughs> it can sort of detect kryptonite because it has, you know, it has all the constituent elements except one that's unknown. So Richard Pryor just types in tar because <laughs> it's in his cigarettes and he figures, well, that's what kryptonite must be made up of, a bit of tar. So the, I love that. The, there's like an underlying don't smoke kids message going on. <laughs> going yeah, through this it's film. Like it's going to make you evil like Superman. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, James, this film literally goes off the rails about here. So 
Superman gets the key to the city of uh, Smallville. Yeah. And that's just for saving Ricky from a fucking combine harvester. Well done. Well done, and Superman. why did Ricky fall asleep in the first place? <laughs> he, was looking, no one... he was looking for his dog, Jake. He probably just got a bit tired. And the dog was barking in his face, trying to wake <laughs> him up as the combine harvester was going. Yeah, just sort of didn't whining. No one else, did, didn't anyone else get that bit? Were you like... Why is he fell asleep? What's happened? I, to that I kid? think he'd hurt his head because there was definitely some blood at some point. So I think it, but because of the rating right. of this film, they probably can't show a lot of that. So <laughs> I no, don't blame you for missing it. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Superman gets given kryptonite by Gus. Yeah. At this award ceremony, you're like, one. I don't know a lot about this, but you're going to have to tell me. Does Superman not know what kryptonite is? Well, this is film three. Yeah, and, I know we're watching them in the wrong order, so I'm, that's why I'm asking you. And, I mean, the, the first film, he definitely met Kryptonite, and uh, Lex used it on him. So he knows that Kryptonite should hurt yeah, him. Yeah, because he isn't he in some sort of pool at the end? Yeah. That's Superman 1, isn't yeah. it? We're going to watch it again next week, so it's fine. That's the one. Um, so he's, he's aware of Kryptonite at this stage, uh, but he just takes it as a nice gift, which is a bit weird. I think he'd probably just been put off by the really bizarre speech about the president not being able to sign things because his plastic pen had broken um yeah that was good i like that bit. <laughs> it was great that was like richard pryor doing his usual sort of stand-up stuff but in richard pryor just shouting yeah it's just always funny anyway it was yeah it was great um but yeah now uh but yeah so superman basically doesn't die no. he doesn't get ill he just becomes a douchebag he- he just becomes an asshole yeah. for the rest of the film. <laughs> and at that point, I'm thinking, hang on, have I switched onto a different film? <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Do you know I mean like a movie? Um, obviously, we know most movies are made of three parts. You've got your, you know, your opening your sequences, and you've got your your middle of your film, and you've got your climax, and they all got to follow a similar structure to get to one to the other. Yeah. And I felt in the third act, I just didn't understand what the hell I was watching. It's like an entirely new film, isn't it? it it's, yeah, it's, it's like a completely different bolted-on bit of a movie yeah. that the first act and second act don't have any setup for that. It just goes completely off the rails. I, I think if you imagine that you've watched a film up until the point mm. you get to the scene in the pub and that's yeah. like the start of the next film, it yeah. is so bizarre. It, like the... the, the tonal change the tonal shift there because I think by this point Superman has um, you know it's really the kryptonite's really affected him badly he's having a lot to drink uh, and he's flicking peanuts at the glass bottles in the bar and breaking them and then he finally gets bored of the peanuts and uses his laser vision and then he just walks out and yells at people um, in front of the kid he saved from the combine harvester earlier that's right, yeah. Uh, and it's at this point where the, the the kid, in a really high-pitched, annoying voice, starts telling Superman he should be okay, just be happy, uh, you'll be all right. And you, <laughs> as Superman, <laughs> poor Christopher Reeve, is just lolloping away in the background while this kid monologues about how Superman should be better. Mm. <laughs> He's just running away. He crashes, in, he crashes into a junkyard yeah. and then just goes... Which literally mimicked the way I felt at this point in the film, <laughs> and then um, and then we get a scene which I actually think is probably my favourite Christopher Reeve acting. Yeah, because he he's he manages bad yeah he manages to pull off bad Superman and Clark Kent really really well. Obviously, you know, it, it, there's lots of cuts, but it, I think 
you you get this sort of really cool bits where you know he, he, the bad Superman's arguing with Clark and yelling at Clark, and it, it's a it's a, obviously it's a very different character, and it, it's something yeah. you've n- not seen Christopher Reeve have to do in this role before. I think that's really cool. I think- I think it went on a bit too long. It reminded me a little bit of a WWE hardcore wrestling match. Yeah. I mean, do, do they often get thrown into open vats of acid that are just left in a car? Of, sort of yeah, dump. similar. To what they'll do in those those sort of WWE matches is they'll go down a corridor and they'll like use a bin, then they'll use an ambulance door, then they'll use a skip. Like whatever they come across during the fight one of the wrestlers gets bungled into it. Uh, and that's what this felt like. And yeah. there's a sort of bit where Clark gets put into the crusher. Yes. Uh, and you're like, oh, he's killed Clark. And then Clark busts out of the crusher. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I, this this fight is entirely metaphorical though, right? It doesn't actually happen. Uh, no, it, it it does kind of happen. Because um, if you, if you realise at the end where... Because um, I, I, I've made a note that the, the evil dark Superman is actually moodier than... Snyder's Superman in Man of Steel um, but yeah. there's that bit where Clark is strangling evil Superman and all of a sudden evil Superman disappears and um, Clark's cape is nice and bright red again instead of being the muddy red the evil so I think yeah. it did actually happen mm. but that uh, basically um, the the tar in the kryptonite made two supermen happen um, yeah the, the plot's a bit thin the, the, uh, yeah. the, oh, while all this is going on, though, there's a supercomputer being built. Yeah, there's a supercomputer <laughs> being built by uh, people in white suits in, I'm assuming, the Grand Canyon. I think it's in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh, and the uh, the the main bad guys, in, including the psychic nutritionist, are getting hot air balloon rides down, like mini personal hot air balloon ride down to yeah. the bottom of the canyon because. Um, now Superman's back to his normal self. He's gone, and he's—they left him a, a voicemail, basically <laughs> of their original secret lair. So we've moved secret lairs. Um, come and find us if you can. And then there's a picture of the Grand Canyon behind. So he knows where they are. He's flying there. Apparently, the three hot air balloons can get there before Superman can. This is the same Superman that can rebuild the Great Wall of China by looking at it, and in the first film, reverse time. Uh, but apparently the hot air balloons are definitely quicker and uh, these two slightly elderly bad guys and the psychic nutritionist get to the supercomputer and she asks where the light switch is (laughs) for the the cave that the supercomputer's in she's like where's the light switch and he's like well it's where the light switches always are so she just walks to the front of the cave and turns the light switch on because apparently the front of caves is where light switches always are of course yeah obviously Um, they then play a computer game against Superman God, yeah, like an Atari video game. Yeah, app- um, apparently that video game was supposed to be released alongside the film. It never made it out. <laughs> it didn't ever happen. I thought it was actually the game. Yeah, no, apparently it was It was going to be released and then it was delayed and delayed and delayed. I think it did come out eventually, but uh, yeah, it didn't get in, it released in time with the film. God, it's just failure after failure. Yeah, but the- you know, apparently it was, apparently we're going to build this film as Superman versus Superman. Yeah. And it was going to be more about the evil Superman that we, we get. Um, and again, that was going to come from a Brainiac storyline, like you said, if you read that. Um, lots of weird stuff. And then, yeah, and then at the end, um, the sister of the baddie becomes a cyborg. She is then quickly just 
destroyed uh, and the supercomputer is destroyed when Clark goes back to the acid factory in Smallville gets some acid who knew that that would come in handy yeah at least they set something up yeah the only thing in the bleeding (laughs) film they did set up and then he comes back and puts the acid in and as the acid starts to warm up it becomes very um, volatile and that's what destroys the supercomputer so it's like a little bit of oh that's why that was in the film earlier yeah uh, that sort of like whoo Christopher Reeve clicks his fingers moment I've got it I know what to do doesn't the the, the the acid it becomes like this red goop didn't it remind you of the red goop they use in Ghostbusters 2 yeah um, <laughs> when it comes out of the jar yeah. it's like the pink slime in Ghostbusters 2 I thought yeah. that yeah. I was like oh I wonder if that's the same the same effect but yeah um, I, Superman blows up the computer because you yeah. know he saves the day uh, he he saves Gus, and they have this really awkward handshake moment that <laughs> I don't think he's earned in any way. <laughs> no. I mean, all Gus has done to this point is... well, it, steal, money, steal money, get drunk, and build a supercomputer. Yeah. And then he, he broke the supercomputer with an axe, uh, and, did, that, yeah. and that's, I guess, his redemption. His redemption... To stop the uh, kryptonite ray from killing Superman. <laughs> it's such a strange redemption arc. I mean, minutes prior to this, he just been yelling at a donkey outside the cave to sit (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand James James, honestly I'm exhausted Um, why I'm never ever going to watch this film again by the way and I know that's really sad but I've committed I've watched it twice I have committed to never watching this film again I think it's wise Uh, Superman flies Gus away Gus is afraid of heights it seems Um, he drops him off at a coal mine and yeah, uh, get some coal. Get some coal, and he he presses it together, and apparently he can emulate the centuries of pressure that would create a diamond from coal, and he does that. Then he gives that to Lana because Lana had to pawn her ring. That's couldn't he have a little side project going? I mean, Clark, if he can do that, yeah. I mean, it seems like he wouldn't have to work for the Daily Planet. No, definitely not. He could just make diamonds all day. Yeah, and uh, at the highest clarity, the Superman diamond. At the point he made the diamond, I'd completely forgotten about the whole Lana pawning a ring story. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree. I, 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 I completely forgot. I thought, forgot. is he going to give this to Gus? Why is he making this? What's going on? Is he going to give it to Lois when she gets back from uh, Guatemala or wherever the hell she is? <laughs> he then gets the guys, he asks the guys, do you guys have a computer here? Because computers are really important, remember? Um, yeah, they are. So yeah. he then says to them that they need to hire this guy who's already committed sort of three or four different t- kinds of fraud with a computer. He's like, well, he learned his lesson. He's probably going to be okay. He should come and work for this company that, you know, mines coal and probably makes a lot of money. You know, this guy's definitely not going to steal any of that money. But Gus... Yeah, did this guy really earn it? <laughs> I don't know. Gus didn't take the job, though. He decides he's going to walk to the bus stop. Yeah. I I just... I, I don't understand why... That was in there. Um, good news, though. Margot Kidd is back. Lois comes back, doesn't she? And she's been well and truly sidelined by Lana, yeah. who's now working at the Daily Planet as well. So it's basically anyone and their dog, if you need them to, can probably get a job at the Daily Planet. Is always a job going. Yeah, I mean, you just need... Harry White will employ anyone. You just need Clark to put in a good word. The, the Jingo Bingo woman runs in because she's dead excited because she's got a computerised Jingo Bingo now. Because remember, kids, computers are really important. Um, <laughs> I love how many times you've said that. 
and yeah, there's this whole Lana and Lois jealousy. Lana's got a big rock on her finger that Clark gave her, and it's oh, it's you know, Lois is a bit sunburnt and jealous. Um, and uh, he then goes and insults an entire nation of Italians. Uh, yeah, by putting the Leaning Tower of Pisa back. Yes. And I, to Leaning. I, I don't know much Italian, but I think that the Italian that they're speaking is just that actor making sort of Italian-sounding vowel noises. I agree. <laughs> I, like that bit in... Yeah, like that bit in Family Guy where Peter Griffin's <laughs> trying to talk Italian. He's got... Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I did training for work for the for our company with uh, an Italian trainer, yeah. um, Matteus, one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he... Uh, he said, you know, the best impression of an Italian is the one that um, Eddie Izzard does, which is just, ciao. <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> Have you seen that sketch? Yes. Where he's like, all Italians do is walk around going, ciao, and then getting on scooters and going, oh. I love that. But yeah, uh, utterly racist. Yeah. And that was the uh, that was the end of, of Superman 3 Oh my god. We, we made it through it, Jake. How did they make a fourth one? I mean, you can. Like, we've seen the fourth one, but how did they get the fourth one off the ground? Well, if, Do you, know what if I mean? you remember one of the little facts at the end of the fourth one was that um, Margot had pretty much fallen out with Christopher Reeve by the end of it. Can you imagine mm. that he managed, Christopher Reeve managed to convince her to come back for an entire fourth film Great, after this, and then they made what ended up being Superman Quest for Peace. In Milton Keynes. In Milton Keynes. <sighs> At least this one was filmed mostly on location, I think. I'm looking forward to Superman 1 and 2. Um, yeah, I'm going to... What I want to do... I don't know whether you want to do... We're going to talk about this on the podcast, uh, the Donna version and the version that the public got. Now, as of like 2008, you can now watch both versions of that film, can't you? You can, yeah. So we'll probably do a comparison. We'll do a big Superman 2 episode I think. to kind of do a comparison of both. Because um, I probably I will watch the... I've, I've already watched Superman 2, but I need to watch the Donna version. Yeah. And I'll do some research. That's cool. But yeah, interesting facts-wise, me and you've already done them. Yeah, there isn't really many more. No, they're, they're, that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? It's it's a film that happened. It was a. It's a film that could have been many other things as well. If you do a lot of reading about Superman three, yeah, there was lots of different commissioned ideas, lots of scripts, lots of things floating around that you know again might largely be rumor and conjecture, but they never happened. Never so happened. The one we. The film we got is just fact, isn't it? Yeah. Like that is the fact. We got Superman three. It's this film. It's like when you, but, when you hear about so, so many people going about the uh, what would have been the Nicolas Cage Superman, mm, and yeah. you think this film Superman three went probably through as much turmoil, but eventually got made, and we got what we got. It makes yeah. me glad in some ways that the Nicolas Cage one didn't get made because at least we can you know imagine it being a good film. Yeah, um, and sometimes that is better, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's lots of examples of sequels where you go, it seemed like an idea, it, it, it came from a really good place, it had so much potential, but it just couldn't get off the ground, yeah. and they just couldn't launch it. And that is a lot of a lot of big sequels, including, in my opinion, the new Star Wars film and, and many others. Yeah. But there's just so many movies where they just tried too hard to push something down the audience's throat, and they just couldn't get it off the ground by the time it was all said and done. Yeah. 
Um, I, you know, yes, I, I liked it for Richard Pryor. I liked it for Christopher Reeve. Yeah, their scenes are good. There, yeah. there's very little plot except for computers and weather stations. I, I just, I, I didn't see where they were aiming, what they were aiming for. You know, they at least with the Lex yeah. stuff, you've got a plot. He wants to, you know, buy up property and make it seafront property. I love it's always property with Lex. Yeah. Oh, always with always with the property. Good old. Does he like that in the comic books? I'm guessing that's not a thing. No, no, it's he's basically in in the comic books. He's probably slightly more similar to Lex's in uh, Man of Steel, where he oh, really he doesn't think a godlike figure should exist mm. unless it's him. <laughs> if 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 yeah. he's if he because there, there are uh, storylines in the comics um, and in Smallville the TV show where he becomes president uh, yeah yeah, and yeah things yeah. like that so he he tries to put on but he does try to protect the Earth but he doesn't want Superman to do that as well he wants it to be him and get all the plaudits and yeah it's like he's a bit of a megalomaniac yeah yeah he he just doesn't you know doesn't like it when people who aren't from around here get the praise so i think i think i'm honest with you i think we will it's up to you as well obviously and the audience we're literally now talking on the live podcast about what we might or might not do but i'm thinking this is how the best meetings happen Absolutely. After we've got Superman 1, 2 and Superman Returns done, and, and that's the end of the what I would like to call the Donna franchise, Yeah, we can we can always do Man of Steel and Superman versus Batman as a, as a you know, just a comparison, I guess, to see what they did with that. Yeah. I, 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 haven't wa- I haven't actually watched either of those films, I don't think, since they were released. I like the sound of that. And it would be good to end our Superman franchise with what is essentially... The, the Superman franchise that's now out there. Yeah. I don't know if they're making any more. I don't know about you. But I think that after Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, I think they've pretty much done with that kind of story, haven't they? Yeah. I don't I don't think they're going to go back to that timeline again. Uh, they, no. they might use the new Batman, I guess, to reset it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, who knows? They, they seem to have said almost publicly that they're, they're not doing big franchise films. They're just doing things like The Joker, where it's a, an individual film that hopefully is quite good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but and I remember I remember thinking the Man of Steel was pretty good. I don't remember thinking coming out of that thinking it was poor. No, I think um, it was. It was coming off the whole Nolan stuff, wasn't it? I guess we were probably just happy to have good DC yeah. things happening. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I definitely think we should look at that. I I I'm intent on putting you through Supergirl 1984 as well. Um, yeah, we can do that. Because <laughs> it's just as bad as these ones. <laughs> In fact, Brilliant. Well, I think it's worse than Quest for Peace. It, I think Superman 3 is worse than Quest for Peace. Wow. Honestly, James, I think I didn't... I think it, I struggled, especially the second time I watched it, I struggled with it more than I struggled to get through Quest of Peace, and I quite enjoyed the ending of Quest of Peace. I thought it was silly enough <laughs> that I could just watch it. I think this film's just too long, isn't it? It's far too long. It's just yeah. got so much. Like they, 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 they managed to do a horrendous cut of the Donna uh, s- sequel, 
uh, Superman 2. They managed to cut that. Why couldn't they cut anything from this film? They must have just loved what they'd done so much. The, the Salkins were like, yes, we've got the KFC money. We're doing well. Um, computers, uh, we've got loads of them. They're running on tape. It's great. This is the future. It's a popcorn chicken, it's a popcorn chicken movie. <laughs> I just, oh dear, I just don't know what they were thinking. And uh, I don't think they knew what they were thinking. They were just happy to have Christopher Reeve in front of a camera, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's about it then, James. Yeah. Uh, What I will intend, because we haven't bought it back, but next week on the podcast, next podcast we do, we'll bring back shit merch and we'll read out some people's comments and Twitter and Instagram stuff because we haven't done any of that for ages. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to get in touch with us on Insta, um, do the franchise on Twitter, uh, get in touch with us and speak to us. We will endeavour to put anything you say out on the uh, on the podcast and give you a shout out. Uh, you got anything else you wanted to discuss, James, before we uh, finish up tonight? No, I think, yeah, just to, to echo what you're saying and, you know, people should get in touch with us. Think about this. We've just had to sit through Superman 4 and 3. <laughs> I, the, the least you could do is send us a message of you know encouragement. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. And if you guys have got any shit merch, send it in. Oh, we'd love to see it. Absolutely. We, we, we'll accept pictures of merch that you may have had as a kid when these films came out. They, that would be great. Sound. Right, James. Well, it was always fun. And I will uh, see you next time. See you next time. Bye. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.